0: Welcome to the Goners, everybody. The only video game podcast. I am, of course, Alan Carlisle. I have with me today Brandon Takeda.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And Christian Metaxas made us let him in too.
2: It's like every week with the <laughs> with the. What did I? I don't deserve this kind of shabby treatment. I don't know. So,
0: Brandon, I... what have you been up to this week?
1: <laughs> well. A lot of things happened this week. Uh, most of the time, uh, I watched the Counter-Strike Major, but we'll be getting to that. Oh, we'll get to uh, that. Get to that later in the show. Uh, but one of the cool things that happened to me this week is I got lucky enough. Uh, so someone in my family, uh, they worked for Toyota. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it was the Thursday or Friday, uh, Toyota sponsored a wheelchair basketball event between Team Canada and Team Japan. Okay, So I got to go see that. And it was at the... Um, at the Am Games like Olympic pool that they built uh up in Scarborough. Oh shit, no way. Which is just outside of Toronto. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was sick, man. It was really, really cool. Uh both like all the athletes, man, just amazing. They're so like I wasn't sure what to expect. i never watched uh, a wheelchair basketball game before, but it's it's so quick. Oh my god. They're just flying about. Excellent, cool ball control. It was really it was awesome. And then it was a nice crowd. It wasn't like a huge crowd or anything, but it was just like everyone's cheering and stuff. Obviously, he, everyone here reading for Team Canada, of course. And, stuff. Uh, and yeah, and that be. was awesome. yeah, and it was really cool. Put a lot of heart into it. It was uh, sick, uh, sick, uh, sick game, and Canada won. So like that was excellent.
0: <laughs> well, good, and then uh, we we can talk about it. Are you uh, are you regularly a
1: basketball guy? No, not really. Uh, I've been to a Raptors games once or twice in my life, but other than that, it's just like. I don't know, but I had the opportunity to go. So like, why not? Yeah, uh, no, of course. I wasn't doing anything that evening. So it was totally like, uh, kind of like on a whim, but it was a lot of fun. Awesome. The other thing I was doing this weekend while watching the majors, uh, with the dual monitor setup here was that I was looking for a Suka John souvenir ja- jacket. Okay. Uh, and if you don't know what a Suka John jacket is, Which I it is, know <laughs> it is, uh, So there's, during, after World War II, and uh, a tradition that has been kept ongoing, is that when U.S. soldiers came to Japan, they would have like the classic kind of bomber jacket, right? Leather bomber jacket slash kind of varsity style jackets. And so Japan has gone about making, like kind of imitating them, but then designing them with their own uh, cultural motifs like dragons, koi's, all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool! And they'd be specifically popular in ports where there was jo- uh, American military bases uh, and stuff. So this tradition has gone on for like decades now. So I've, I've been trying to find a Sukajan jacket, either a new one made by like a new company uh, in Japan or potentially a vintage one. But man, they're they're expensive. <laughs> they're really expensive. They're super cool though. Like they're so like bright and colorful and just like. The imagery on it is always super interesting it's like we would really if you ever wore one or saw one they just really stand out so i've been trying to get my hands on uh like a good priced also well fitted because uh a lot of these sukajan jackets are made on the japanese sizing scale so it would be like size medium is one of like the more like amp ones that are more amply in stock just because that's a normal size but then also you take into account though that size medium in Japan isn't size medium in North America. So it's, it's been a struggle, but what no, is not <laughs> more on the, on uh, the Allen size of the, uh, the sizing. Chart. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's so other than that, just watching some anime, playing some video games, continuing on with Valkyria Chronicles. And that's been my week. Awesome. How about
0: you, Christian? What have you been up to?
2: Um, I did. I obviously the majors, of course. Um, but earlier in the week, I had been playing Counter Strike, and I, I, I bombed out of a couple matches pretty, pretty stupendously, and I got really upset. And I, I went outside for like a quick walk, and then I came back inside, and I said, "You know what? I'm, you know what's going to make me feel better? Senran Kagura." <laughs> so like, I walk down to the basement, and I boot up the PS4, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm going through that little, uh, the 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 icon tray, and then I, I noticed from a month or two prior um, when PlayStation plus was giving out bound for like a free download or whatever. And I thought, Oh, you know what? Bound. Yeah. Yeah. Have you not, have you heard about this? It doesn't doesn't ring a bell. No,
0: I'm not sure.
2: It's sort of like, I I'm pretty sure it was inspired by games like journey and maybe even like stylistically super hot. Um, I think actually they even, I I'm pretty sure I saw those, like they credited it in the, uh,
0: Oh, in the ending credits sick looking art. Oh, cool.
2: but um yeah no yeah look it up it's it so it's an art game sort of and like i think it's about motherhood okay. I'm not, it's, i don't know it's i think it's about a lot of things well cuz the, the game starts and you're you're this woman who's clearly pregnant and um you're you're on the beach at this house in the distance and you just start going through this notebook of like childhood drawings i guess okay and these these drawings um, get actualized into playable levels. Oh, cool. And there's like a little bit of platforming. It's mostly just like running around and you're sort of moving through the environment. And um, I don't want to give too much away um, because it's 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 definitely, you know, we we can call it a walking simulator. It's definitely an experience. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody that uh, played Journey and enjoyed it. I would recommend it to anybody that uh, owns a PS4 um, that maybe auto-downloads all of those uh, PS Plus games and just forgets about it.
1: Man. About <laughs> one day, one day you'll be with us.
0: Well, we'll actually we'll well, get to that, but yeah.
2: It was, it was a beautiful game, though. The art direction was excellent. I'm pretty sure from what I garnered, along with the inspirations from the credits, they had actually hired a dancer and uh done some mocap with that um and that when you're when you're walking around this level you're actually sort of like bouncing around this level and then you can hold this one button and then you'll sort of dance like a ballet through this level oh wow and um, it was just really cool There, there was a there's a lot to dig into with that game um I only played it once and then I'm a I'm a huge trophy boy. There's another trophy for for redoing it just like sort of in a different format and then there's a whole bunch of speed running trophies which I find narratively interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say that those that's got a- made into trophies. Yeah, but it's it, without spoiling anything without, you know, getting too deep into what the game is or what I think it is just cuz I feel like it's definitely a sort of like a journey thing where, you know, don't talk to anybody about it, just go do it for a couple hours. Um, okay. I, I'd recommend it to anybody. I'd recommend it to anybody that's remotely curious. Even people that aren't curious, I might, you know, sit down and say, "Hey, just uh, shut the fuck up and play this game for a while." <laughs> so, uh,
0: um, reading the Wikipedia yeah. article for Bound, uh, it, uh it, it's uh, it's kind of giving me some Psychonauts vibes. Did you ever did you ever play Psychonauts? No. Oh
2: man, isn't Tim Schafer kind of like a a oh, what? <laughs> kind of kind of like a bell end. Oh, <laughs> like, a bit. I've heard. That's what I've heard. I don't, I don't, I, all I know is from my, my late nights browsing the chan is there's this one infamous screenshot of like podcast racing on the N64 or some shit, pod not podcast, racer. pod racer, podcast <laughs> racing. Yo, and
1: uh, we'll put our podcast against any podcast on the net. We're the fastest we're-
2: show on <laughs> iTunes <laughs> on Tatooine and there's at the very end of the credits, they credit Tim Schafer, and then underneath it says for not actively trying to sabotage the project. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I don't know if it's a fake picture or not. Though, <laughs>
1: well, like, there's a lot of things going. Like, uh, especially with uh, one of the more recent games, I forget what it's called. It's some uh oh, it's a there's some
2: Kickstarter uh,
1: adventure uh, game, but it's yeah, it, his games uh, from Double Fine have been notoriously over budget, run out of mm, time, yep. had production problems. And it it leads to these like half built games or games that don't necessarily uh, stand up to muster at the end of it all. Like he we, obviously there's like classics, his classics like uh, I believe Gr- Grim Fandango is one of them. That that was a Tim Schafer on. game. I, I want to say yes. I I could be very wrong. I, it's
0: not a genre of games I play very much. I think it was like a, I, I don't think he was the lead on it. I think it was a company
1: he was a big part of. It would have been Lucas at the time, right? But, right, which uh, he was part of. Yeah, of course okay but anyways yeah no there's been a lot of stuff around his games where uh having just having production problems so like maybe that's correct like that could be a real a real image but who knows it's like stuff that gets posted around on the internet people lie on the internet question mark. like <laughs> well that's <laughs> also a thing that happens with uh
0: video game quote-unquote auteurs like uh the poster boy for that being um oh who's the liar who made fable um
2: Mallenue, Peter Mallenue, right? I was fast on that. Yeah, you
1: were. <laughs> Meat um, <laughs> oh, I, I I feel bad every time. I hated it. I love Fable, Fable, Fable one and Fable, Fable one in particular. I played like four or five times. I love. Oh shit, Fable. really? Yeah, but it, it's a shame because those are like games that are like intricately tied to my childhood, and it's just like ah, oh, now it's just like he's just laughed out of the industry. Did
0: you cry in Fable two when when the dog?
1: No, I'm heart. I'm a heartless human being. No, right. I, I don't know. It's just like uh, it, it's. It just wasn't something that I would think the game though. that I was thinking of that. Tim Schafer uh, is notoriously tied to is Broken Age. Yeah, Broken Age. Yep. Uh, notoriously Previously was supposed to be adventure. one game. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. supposed to be one game, and it came out as two parts, and the second part was like, ridiculously not good compared to the first.
0: I uh, yeah, I've tried to play that. I mean, okay. I want to say. Um, my first experience with Tim Schafer was Brutal Legend and, uh, growing up, uh, as a huge fan of heavy metal, um, specifically the band Judas Priest, uh, Tim Schafer announced, uh, Brutal Legend with, uh, the lead singer of Judas Priest and, uh, Jack Black at the, at like the VGAs in like 2008. And that was like a huge moment for me. So I've always had like a, a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, when I was a kid, I watched the Yahtzee review for, uh, psychonauts and yahtzee was so glowingly positive which if you know yahtzee is a contrast to his regular work and uh so I've, al- I've always thought of him as being kind of like this like beloved grandfather or maybe he's not that old but but the this like forefather of, of a certain type of uh story driven uh kind of quirky games but I absolutely think you're right. I mean, Double Fine Adventure was this moment where the Kickstarter was like the most successful Kickstarter of any video game ever. I think at the time, this is was- Well...
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, it, that's why he was time, drawing those headlines, right? Cause it so- well, because it was so because like, huge.
0: Wasn't-
1: Star Citizen was is still
0: yeah,
2: the biggest though. Right? That's right. I don't think that's yeah.
0: technically a Kickstarter. I think that's uh, that's a money laundering
2: like cult scheme. now, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's yo. I mean. I wonder
2: how. You just keep pumping in money, and eventually they're going to take you to the promised land. Yeah, and
1: then, <laughs> and then get
0: to play. Um, what was the Star Citizen that came out a year and a half ago, and everybody hated it, and Hello Games had to close, and the Sean Murray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's where we're Are going, you thinking,
1: right? You're not talking about the Eve one, though, right? Because Eve had a like a uh, first person shooter.
0: No, although that about you that, fucking, that was so disappointing. We're jumping all over the place here, but that was really disappointing when. Um, shit it had some number in the title it was like it was like something 512 wasn't that's it that's right dust 512 maybe
1: something around those lines. um
0: yeah that was too bad that was a really cool idea is having two games set in the same massive online world interacting with each other ambitious is all hell but
1: um and that's we were of- off by two numbers it was dust 514 <sighs> oh <laughs> Oh, so close!
0: But uh, yeah, Eve also um, had an interesting event this week on Reddit. Did any of you see that?
2: That e- yes. scheduled fight, the scheduled the big, fight the that didn't battle.
0: happen. Oh, it didn't. I don't. I, I don't um, know what actually came of it i know there was this huge post on reddit saying there's gonna be this amazing fight million dollars on the line these giant fleets people are gonna lose real money
2: Flagpole out front 5 p.m after school and you better fucking be there oh yeah and then
0: like every flagpole (laughs) fight it i don't think it actually came to fruition
1: Yeah. i don't know whenever i hear like the battle reports from you it's always after the fact and so this one was like oh something's going to happen uh one of our contributors or i guess he's not contributor more of our like a site admin he uh what's it called he had mentioned this about like that this was going to happen and so everyone was i guess kind of on high alert to see what was going to take place but then i don't know a lot of articles came out saying that it was someone's going to lose a million dollars like the flights are like it's on the line or whatever i don't
2: know like not real money but like plex which i guess which you
0: can you you can yeah yeah. because uh even line being
2: plex the original bitcoin (laughs) (laughs)
0: let me let me give a bit of context for that um so the way it works is uh you can use the in-game currency to pay for your subscription to the game so that kind of creates this Uh, direct comparison to US dollars. And so uh, because you can sell those uh, currency to other players for real money to uh, pay for your subscription, if you lose a certain amount of flex, then you've hypothetically lost an investment of a certain amount of money. Um, So to answer your question, Christian, that's, yeah, that's Bitcoin. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) It's an interesting because Eve. It's like I only know one person that plays it. It's more of like a people get excited to talk about Eve, with ever without ever. Um, it, like it's it's an interesting it's game so to report weird. on and to talk about, yeah. but like nobody. I only know one person that plays it, and it's. I'll put it this way: it's not someone I talk. to. I was to about say, to say, are they a
0: goddamn serial killer? Because like <laughs> they're
2: <laughs> like they're an interesting type. They're exactly the type of person that you suspect would. Devote their lives to a game like this.
0: <laughs> I mean, like... Eve, um, EVE is ostensibly... At some point early in its development, it was going to be a science fiction, s- a space-based MMO. And then, I don't know if this was intentional or what the fuck happened, but it became like a corporate simulator. And it's yeah. it became all about, like, these gigantic player corporations. Like, where other players have guilds, they have corporations Corpse. with assets. Yeah. And, like... Um, And so it leads to this really monetary-based, like, very commercial uh, capitalist uh, universe. Um, Quick Eve story about uh, battles that cost people money uh, that includes Game of Thrones spoilers, which kind of gives away the punchline. But um, when I first heard about the real money fights in Eve, it was that uh, players take this so seriously that they get really inventive with how to, like, get an edge in these fights. So... um,
2: like, espionage. Oh, yeah. No, it's was crazy. The one that that when some we, crazy. I remember, I think it was third or fourth year. Um, it was huge. I remember talking about it with everybody. And, um, and then it turned out that the, I think, and I'm probably going to be, I'm probably missing some nuance or minutia when it comes to recalling this event. But someone somewhere had forgotten to pay a bill that kept the shields up on some fleet or protecting some some resource and <laughs> and then they got into a huge fight like the like with russians and then you know like i think one of the factions is like stupidly named something um and then um and then later it came out that that guy got paid off to not pay the bill oh or whatever and
1: the, one believe, the, the one i believe the one i had always heard about is that there was an eve player who tracked down another eve player oh, who no. was high up in one of the corps oh, no. and he cut their internet during a key moment it like yeah, like just cut the line or something. Did something that's and then fucking awesome. That was that was the cue to to send out the fleet and to attack because this fire up was like just they couldn't do anything. They were cut off from the net. And and and
0: meanwhile, Counter Strike players are swatting each other. Like learn from your <laughs> brethren. You can be creative, although I guess people take is shit
1: seriously. Steve so <laughs> is like, yeah, oh my god.
0: So the the thing I heard of in this real money battle was that uh, there's this one fleet who um in an effort to get other players to look away from their screen when they were being attacked, they had the spoiler fleet where every ship was Oh, I remember over. that one, yeah.
2: and,
1: uh, <laughs> That's amazing.
2: And so, oh like, God. one of
0: the big ships in the battle was called uh, Tyrion Lannister Kills His Father Tywin Lannister with a crossbow, and
1: that's how I learned that <laughs> happened. Fucking <laughs> got it. Yeah, man, the EVE stuff, is just it plays out, like, just something, like, out of a novel or a movie or something like it's so it's just so beyond anything like in this world and, and i think that's what draws people to the story oh hell yeah and why you, you like like major news sites will always cover cover the big battles in eve because it's like one other time where you can have a real life science fiction war that goes off it on the like wh- while we're alive like that'll that will never happen in our time probably but like here we get the closest thing to it which is these players playing it out on eve
0: well there was this story uh that came out as part of this giant battle where um one of the ceos of these of this mega eve mega corpse that uh was like he like lost a lot of reputation in the game because he was so successful that he commissioned some science fiction writer to write a story about his character in in the game and like counterpointed <laughs> it with parts of his real life life and everyone got so mad at the hubris of it that he like fell from grace and went away that's, and then he came back oh and this big God. battle was him coming back it fucking that's it, it's that's very that's interesting amazing. right what this would be an interesting in world, i don't want to go anywhere near
1: but it's like
0: it, to look at
2: it from afar it's exciting
1: though oh yeah that's some like imperial age of sail shit where like some man commissions an artisan writer to write a biography about him captaining captaining the fleet of the fucking English yeah, really. English uh, the English fleet as he sails out to like Barbados or something to stop fighting the pirates or something like it's so crazy <laughs> like what the fuck God I can't wait until VR gets
0: real enough that you can just live in that world and there and we'll split her off into West Worlds where there's an Eve and where man. Video games are awesome. <laughs> like, God before, damn.
2: Before we dive in too much to video games, the other thing that I want to I wanna talk about that I did this week, um, I got caught up on uh, Darling in the Franks. Nice. Uh, I pleasantly surprised, because I, I was not impressed with that first episode, but mm. uh, Bran, are you caught up? Can we yeah. discuss this? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm totally caught up. Right, do you want to hit me with your your opinions or do you want me to go 1st yeah,
1: I'm enjoying it so far and there's one like one real point of contention that I have and that's the main character hero uh just because he's this he's this, I know where he's supposed to be like as a story like a story device he's supposed to be like Shinji if you anyone has watched uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion he's the un, like the pilot who knows he's kind of at this point has to pilot uh he wants to pilot but like there's things uh just holding him back both mentally and potentially physically in this case. But whereas Shinji goes into it pretty gung-ho at the beginning in episodes like one and two of Evangelion, where he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna battle the giant mecha, I'm gonna fight the angels and stuff. Hero is like, I'm I'm kinda here, and there's some problems, but then he's so passive about it as like the despair sets in, whereas Shinji finds himself as he like goes on goes deep into uh forward onto the breach. That he put himself in this situation, and then like the dread situation. Stuff, the sorry, <laughs> the situation where uh, he finds himself in the problems of his own making, where his hero is just like, oh, I don't like you. Sh- you can pilot with zero two; it's fine. Like I don't. It's, it's he's such like a a whiny passive character, and it's kind of annoying. All the I. That's why I think why I really like zero two so much because zero two is like uh like akko from little witch and uh ryuko from uh kill a kill triggers like more prominent titles and it feels she feels like one of their characters where a hero feels like this weird out of place character in one of their shows
2: sorry i was just letting that like percolate because that's interesting that you went ava with it because i went gunbuster with it
1: Ah, the classic, yeah,
2: sure. Like, watched- that's that whole, like, when they're in the, 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 and then the lights are on outside, and it's like, oh, you know, you're shipping out tomorrow, are you? Oh, you think you're hot shit, huh? Well, here, I'm gonna try to humiliate you in front of the school. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so, uh, it was just so, I think that there's, there's, and there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, oh, and this is what I wanted to ask you earlier. So, what's the name of the, uh the mech, or whatever, that. Uh, the chick him in himerin, uh, Strelicia. Yeah. So is that like? Is that because I I did my whole English major thing, and it's it's mm. it's a genus of plant. They're the all paradise pla- They're all plants. It's all
1: plant metaphors because the par- uh, the pairings of uh, the pilot. See that are, upsets me. Is, that upsets me. Shaman and pistol. That's the-
2: because they. They open though with this 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 flying free in the great blue sky bird metaphor, and then that's they get co- it twisted with this 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 plant genus. Yeah, thing but that's, that's really
1: a codependent. That's a codependency metaphor, not uh, specifically flying free. Because the, the whole point is that these birds require a male and female partner to fly for whatever reason. I don't know if they're a real bird or not, or if it's just something they made up for, for this show. But like, the whole thing is that. To fly and be free, you need to be together, and that's what Zero Two and Hero will be, and that's why everyone has partners when they pilot the
2: mechs, right? Okay. So on a scale of one to it's working for me, how do you feel about sort of like the I guess we can call it like sexual interplay between the characters? Yeah. Okay. It's spicy, man. It's a spicy show. Like so, so yeah, you on, get into the mechs and So you need, you need the boy and the girl to pilot these things. And I don't know how old are they? They're teenagers. This is like some high school era shit. The girl gets down on her, her hands and knees. And then the boy gets behind her in exactly the position that you're probably picturing. Yeah. So it's kind of overt.
1: Yeah. And they all, but to, to, to give the show at least some credence, uh, the girls wear these hoods which have the back of them is like the monitor for like uh for the pilot of pilot mech and then off to the side of their like their waist they have uh I, handles <laughs> okay little, like joysticks i guess to, to some point way to power oh, you trying to make
2: it sound better and then yeah yeah really yeah
1: no i don't know
2: it's it's, it's- it's it's quite overt and it's not but again and I'll say I'll say what I said about the devil man a little bit where mm. at, at no point during this show am I like oh yeah it's getting spicy like it's I'm more intrigued by the psychological um uh, the psychological game sort of that we see unfolding between these different types yes. of personalities okay. is what I'm and that, and that recalls to me, Ava. Yeah, for sure. Go
1: on. You had a question before I make a point
0: about that. Oh, um, not exactly. Just, uh, I, I, I mean, this seems like an unavoidable, uh, comparison or metaphor that they're leaning into, right? Like, did Gundam or any of the other, like Escaflone or any of the you know mech animes ever kind of um lay bare the way Darling in the Franks is? Uh, the the kind of the womb or the sexual metaphor of being inside the giant mech and that kind of uh, uh not codependent but you know connected.
1: Not as not as overtly as what Darling and the Frank is doing. That it's like pretty blatant. The one exception maybe is after you learn something later on in Evangelion about what Unit Zero One is about, then maybe you could get onto that. Uh, but I, like, which I won't spoil because that's like a really interesting point in the series. Uh, but no, what what it, this is pretty unique in that sense, the codependency thing, because you'll have other shows where you need a second pilot to pilot. To the thing, uh, if you look at uh, uh, what's it called, the Guillermo del Toro Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim yeah, you, you they they mind meld essentially to pilot the giant uh, the giant fighting robots that fight the kaiju monster, right? Um, but yeah, no, darling, the Frank is pretty blatant about it. But I, what Christian was saying though, I think pushes it onto the acceptable boundaries because it's really interesting the dynamics about the characters in the show. Uh, because you have a moment in episode two where uh, Ichigo and Hiro, they pilot a mech together. Where uh, oh and,
2: yeah, that's and, and that's it's, a, like, very, it's yeah. a
1: weird moment because uh, Ichigo's it's not uh, a weird, not weird. It's kind of like I wouldn't say ups- like emotionally upsetting. Maybe rather than like like something you see and you're like, oh, that's kind of. Uh. It's like you have this moment where Hiro and Ichigo are piloting together while. Uh, Ichigo's normal pilot sits on the sideline so that they can test if Hiro actually did pilot Strelitzia, uh, during the, during the first battle in the episode one. And so you have this moment where they have to try to, they have to, the mechs focus, like how it like activates is through them being compatible with each other through some kind of like system. And it's this moment where they're not they They don't feel good together. It's not compatible. And then, uh, it's them kind of in a metaphor sense exploring their like sexuality as young as young teenagers and then mm. in the first episode the reason why so hero gets into the into the mech with zero two and then she kisses him and then that suddenly like activates strelitzia and she and then so they try that again he's like what's go wrong like hero's like what's wrong what's wrong like it's not working and he so ichigo asks like oh what what what's happened before that hasn't happened yet and she's he's like zero to kiss me and so they kiss and it's like this weird moment where no one's comfortable about it uh this is a
2: like a, it should also get pointed out that if, for whatever reason these children don't understand what a kiss is what yes, it's for just, yeah it's was, concept um okay. they
1: it's like those weird because they're raised in this like sterile kind of environment where they're raised and it's apos. very
2: yeah. And it's and this is some this is some heads up sort of uh, symbolism, I think going on. I guess even like if you want to get into the plants and like the genus, you, you know, you combine the strains or whatever or yeah, you, know, you want to talk about, uh, when they get paired off, and then they're they have metaphorical intercourse and mind meld inside these mechs uh, under the watchful eye of Papa. And you have what? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's one of the. It's so, this, and this is what I'm saying is this is why in the first episode I was just so what the fuck am I watching? This is just bad. It's just being like, what is this? Like, because I'm not, you know, I have no problem going downstairs and playing Senran Kagura. I know exactly what that game's about. I know what it's trying to do. I know what it's doing. Uh, I'm fine with that as a piece of media. The first episode of Darling and the Franks, it was sort of um, uh, to borrow Brandon's phrase from the other day, well, I'm waiting for it to get good. And mm-hmm. it was and I think it's I think it's definitely um, approaching that mark where now I'm sort of understanding the psychological underpinnings of uh, this world that I guess now that we're in episode three, we're still we're still neat, we're still learning lots about. We're still learning lots about it, and the, uh, and then of course you have these call these allusion these callbacks to, uh, for sure. That, like I'm in my brain, and um, when I saw it, I immediately thought Gunbuster. When you see uh, Mitsuru or the kid at the end of episode three, I immediately thought of uh tracksuit kid from the beginning, the the early episodes of Ava. Oh um, yeah. Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm I've been enjoying that, but uh, but yeah, that's that. I just I wanted to touch on that because i definitely i wanted to talk about it for sure, sure. just because i'm uh but uh, you you wanted to talk about it. you were telling me you were reading what have you been reading
0: oh yeah so besides um when you guys are talking about Darlene and the franks and pl- i was playing uh, mario odyssey but beside that i haven't played any games <laughs> this week so i um i've been reading the lord of the rings
1: oh. nice. have you ever read it before oh.
0: no i um, really uh, girlfriends and ex girlfriends have tried to get me to watch those movies my entire life. I keep falling asleep, so I figured I'd 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 crack a dusty old book open and be a be a smart boy. That's a fucking good ass book, man. Like I was. I mean, I've read the Game of Thrones books, and um, I've read a lot of science fiction and Stephen King and stuff. So I, I'm I feel fairly familiar with genre but um man like the the prose like Tolkien is a beautiful writer and I've I've heard a lot of people complain about how uh the Lord of the Rings kind of you'll 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 be going along in the plot everything's good and then you'll get 10 pages of a character just singing a song or reading a poem
1: (laughs) that's where i stopped reading book one right okay so here's like a little little short story before that yeah so right when the movies were coming out like in theaters and stuff i bet i know the character killed it for you (laughs) well what's it called i started reading book one and then it kind of like and then i went to go see it in theaters i didn't finish it in time before the movie came out or whatever right uh way back when and so i stopped reading it but it was around right around that time with tom bombadil that I knew uh, it. I fucking knew it. Yeah, because <laughs> like this character who who a lot of people theorizes the god of the Tolkien universe. Fuck yeah! It's just like uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it's this weird point, but yeah. And I picked up books two and three though, mm-hmm. and I read those all the way through. It's <laughs> so it was really cool and interesting. I really loved them back when I was a kid.
0: Tell me more about how you felt about Tom Bombadil because he's actually the reason
1: I'm reading the book. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was so long ago, Alan. Like sure back oh, when did even those movies come out 2003 like years, i remember which it called the reason i think one of the reasons why I eventually i think my parents no 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 this is going to be a reason why they got the dvd player but i think that's a different story but um uh there was a choice though this is a distinct memory i had i was in the walmart uh which isn't too far from my house and we went there and there was two distinct options you can buy the first lower the ranks right. uh you could either get it on VHS or you could get it on DVD. Ooh, and we choice. V- we bought ours on VHS. Ooh, wrong choice. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it was still a new format. We didn't sure. have a DVD. Uh, so yeah, no, I got that. And until very actually fairly recently, like a year or two ago, I didn't have it on DVD like the rest of the ones I have. Oh, no, the rest of the movies. I ha- I fa- so I finally got it. Right. But yeah, I've I watched
2: every movie exactly once. I got sick. In the second year of university, and I just put all three on in a row (laughs) when I was sick in bed. Yeah. Hated it. Will never watch it again. (laughs) Have no interest in reading the books. He should have died on that rock, (laughs) it would have made for a more interesting story. Um, <laughs> the interesting story for me isn't this idiot that can't seem to not wear this ring. <laughs> bad things happen when I put on the ring, but I can't help myself. Okay. It's my, I'm more interested in his friend that seems to have to hold hands with this idiot for three <laughs> books worth of narrative. That just He just can't seem to get his shit together. And he's, he's just stuck guiding this 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 child. <laughs> <laughs> Sam is that Sam I M-G. M-G, I'm about? Yeah. <laughs> He's he should have been the protagonist, not this other jackass. It makes enough sense to me. Um so
0: oh man, there's a lot of places to jump off there. So I'm I'm gonna go back to Tom Bombadil for a second. So <laughs> <Okay>. the <laughs> reason I'm reading this book is because like you alluded to, Brendan, um I heard someone describe uh, The Lord of the Rings as a story about um, the end of the, the world of gods and spirits and the beginning of the world of men. Um, and uh, they kind of – was. I was listening to um, – it wasn't podcast beyond. It was a Max but it was the comedy button, um, like, uh, two months ago. And uh, they had this guy on there who's, like, a reverend, and he sees everything in, like, you know, kind of Christian – or um uh metaphors. And so he described Gandalf, I was called him Dumbledore, as
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, part of the canon. <laughs> it's
2: great. Right. Everybody okay. go read it anyway. Anyway,
0: so he described uh, uh Gandalf as being like um a an alternative to the Judeo-Christian god, where he is a hands-on god whose whole thing is to protect and serve the world and then once he's done that, he goes off to the west to whatever, to go away. Um, and then he described Tom Bombadil as like this just this this sprite, this character that kind of wanders through the woods and is just connected to everything and is always singing and is always kind of silly and hosp- and has all his hospitality and there was just something about this world of like nature gods um that 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 sounded just incredible and um so reading the Lord of the Rings, um I never realized, and I didn't get this from the movie. Uh, or from The Hobbit, which I can't believe I missed as a kid, it's all about the thrill of uh, an adventure, of of walking in nature, right? Um, And at the end of the day, the story isn't about Sauron and the nine rings and the seven rings and the five rings and the three rings and the one ring and all that crap. It's about um, the feeling of being connected to the world and of wanting to serve it and of respecting and worshipping kind of... a a journey through nature. Oh, that sounds pretty. It's beautiful. And so, like, when the book becomes, you know, a character's walking and they look at a rock, and then it becomes the history of the people who put that rock there, and then the stories and songs of that culture, and then you start really getting into what the personalities of the individuals were in this culture. Why are hobbits different from men? What Like, hobbits like to drink, and they like to eat, and they worship, and they're petty, but they love each other, but they also really hate each other in, in ways... And they're kind of like English, you know, West country kind of farmers. It's all about just it's the whole book is this kind of meditation on on this space. And it's really not about the story. So when it becomes when you drop into a 10 page poem about, you know, a tree, it's that that's why you're there. Um, And so and I can connect this to video games. That's totally the philosophy behind Breath of the Wild. That it's not about going to kill Ganon. It's about hey, there's a tree. I'm gonna go over to that tree, and oh, there's like this, there's like this cool big vegetable dude with maracas. What's his deal there? And then oh, there's some wild horses. I, I wonder how like oh, I, I'm gonna go interact with that. It's just about kind of getting lost on a journey, and 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 the meditation you get when you, when you're hiking in nature. It's just. Such a stark contrast to the digital age I live in where I'm at my computer every day. Uh, I just, I don't know. I I think it's incredibly beautiful. It doesn't seem like a story to me. It seems like a, you know, four, three, five book poem. And it's just, yeah.
2: Question. Yes. I want it on the record. Okay. You keep using the word book. Are you did you actually oh, don't blow me physically up. Don't open blow a me book? Oh, oh you bitch.
0: Oh you suck.
2: Okay. Only because <laughs> Alan is notorious for cultivating notorious, famous
0: for my awesome <laughs> strategy for literary achievement.
2: I've never seen Alan to have physically held a book. Oh hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. Is this a fact? Is this a this? Fact from Risky? book? You
1: hear this? Christian yeah, like, Risky up book. Here's another book. That's wow. a notebook. A this is You Are be doing broadcast? anything
2: over there. Hold on. So, okay. Without, without making you, without me being a pretentious piece of shit about it, are, are you listening to it or I, are you, are you reading it? I'm listening to it. And that. Oh, okay. Cause, no, because this is interesting to me that's interesting. when I was, it helps. exactly, and this is where I'm getting with it. Cause when I was in grade eight, I cracked open the Hobbit yeah. and I found it too intimidating and I had to stop after 20 pages. Right. Um. I have to imagine hearing someone, it's almost like when you read Shakespeare and it's like, ugh, but then you listen to Shakespeare or you watch Shakespeare and all of a sudden this becomes much more meaningful and engaging and you're able to, you're able to you know, feel something that maybe uh, reading that, uh, that language and that prose might've felt a little too obtuse before. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's
1: really interesting. Especially since that point is like, it's a point of contention for a lot of people who are reading, and they're like, man, this whole section with Tom Bombadil, why? And then you yeah. have this moment where if you're reading it, yeah, because now you're stuck in 10 pages where you don't know how the rhythm works to the and song. Work. And it's, yeah, you have to piece it together, and it's 10 pages of work.
2: It's not where, like prose. There's rhythm. There's also, meter. There's... You have, it's,
1: when you have, uh, what's it called? When you have an audiobook, too, as well, uh, you get a sense that this is the correct way that has been decided because lord of the rings yep. obviously an old like an old series of books they didn't come out yesterday no uh so this is like over the years and decades this has been the decided de facto way to just uh to read this or to interpret this text uh audially mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah that must play a lot into it as well because who knows because if you were to say you alan yeah were to give that's me uh, start an audio podcast where you just read Lord of the Rings. Uh, you would have to find a way to best interpret this this song in, in poetry in the book, and where as in like now these audiobooks are done by professionals and stuff. They obviously have some kind of like plan while they're writing, uh, like while they're reading it, and like they know how it's going to be now, Ab- rather than you trying to figure it out.
0: Absolutely, and a couple points to that. Um, one, uh, so I read a lot of Stephen King, and Um, just because it's comfortable, you know, I, I, I like his prose. I like kind of the way he thinks. Um, I totally think the effect of horror is very much diminished by having someone read it to you because it's not in your head. It's not something that you have to kind of deal with. It's a guy telling you stuff, but Lord of the Rings, um, absolutely is improved, uh, with having a reader because, um, in my case, I find reading kind of, um, intimidating. It, It makes me a little anxious, um, it feels like work a lot of the time, so having someone read it to me is very calming. So I, I, I'm not intimidated. I'm not like bummed out when I have to read ten pages of poetry. But also, um, two things on that: when you get into songs, and there are a lot of songs, especially with Tom Bombadil, the the author sings them, and they have melodies, and they're different, and they're pretty, and they sound like songs, and that. And it's really enriching. You really feel like it's a real thing that you're getting a part of. But another thing is the names and the language. Um, a lot of people who read The Hobbit read the dragon's name as Smog. And then in the movies, he's Smaug. And even smaller than that, um, Frodo. He's Frodo. And in the book, he's Frodo. And that are so we,
2: different. We... We run up into this all the time, um, being on the internet. And this is what we lose when we um when we walk away from that sort of oral culture, when you read band names on the internet. Um, or when you come across someone else and they, they pronounce the Pokemon's name a little bit different than yeah. you do. Classic. It's like these Mario versus little-
1: Mario. Oh yeah, that was yeah. a big deal back in the day when you were a kid. It'd be like, is it Super Mario or Super Mario? You're pronouncing it wrong. You're an idiot. Like, right. Who's who's right?
2: And let's just, it's it's Mario. It is Mario. We, we're <laughs> here. That's, that's the same as are.
1: being right versus wrong. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they are
2: <idiots>. But um, <laughs> he's. We've heard Mario say it out loud. We've heard him say his name.
0: Did anyone think that that Mario in Mario Odyssey is sounding a little haggard when he goes oh, a Mario Odyssey? There. I'm like, oh, that's an old Italian man. Super
2: Mario. Mario! Yeah. just <laughs> oh, gotta he's gotta take a quick breath like oh we're doing it again <laughs> when will they let me die <laughs> but
0: i absolutely agree with what you're saying christian and i think that's that's a that's a really beautiful point to take this too. and
2: this is not and not to call it, not to call it lord of the rings archaic but it's definitely set in that sort of old oh, yeah. world yeah, yeah I so when you think of it. these things, and you think of Shakespeare, and maybe you think of Beowulf and these other things, these aren't things that are necessarily meant to be read with by candlelight, and you're sitting in your room, and you know, uh, you know, like these dusty old tomes. These are meant to be uh, performed. These things are meant to be vocalized and read aloud and sang and enjoyed with other people, and um, and that so um and nobody's convincing me to read or watch these these movies <laughs> and books but it, it's it's exciting to have this conversation where and this is something that we lose a hundred percent by just being plugged in well, and you just you know you read the letters and then you just you your understanding and then it stops there
0: and as I get older and my work becomes more and more screen based I have less reasons to go outside and to explore nature and to be connected with the natural physical analog world and as a kid i never really i always thought that analog stuff was the past and digital stuff is the future so anything i can do on a computer i should do on a computer uh, my show notes are all on a computer i don't touch paper anymore but that's a whole thing about my messy house as a kid. um and th- th- this book is really showing me just that christian just that you know the digitization the you know of of the, of the world of of life, it it, it is a lot It is a lossy process. We are we are losing something, and I don't know. It, I, I really think this is. Um, I am learning a lot from the experience of, of 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 quote unquote reading this book, and yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. Let's talk about video. Well, I,
2: I, <laughs> I, I only half meant to embarrass you. Right? No, like, no, no, I no. Know.
0: I was considering whether or not You're to bring bad. that up because it is such a, <laughs> a, a part of. Um, the uh it's the experience.
2: experience, right? Yeah, I would too, recommend too everybody Algonquin to it. Retreat. Is that 2018? Oh hell yeah, let's Algonquin go to the one and do
0: some pay, uh, yeah. paying
2: our bills. Nice, It's <laughs> <laughs> safe. Um, no, it's beautiful up there, man. It's fucking gorgeous. Um, yeah, no. Um, what have I been reading? I'm stuck on not Diego. I'm stuck on it, another. <laughs> um. Crap! What's it called? Now I forget. It's hilarious though. Neil Stevenson. Oh yeah, seventies. Uh, Snow Crash. Oh, sick. Oh, it's it, 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 So here, and that's why I was laughing earlier. It's because like, now I'm, I'm in, currently engaging with two pieces of media where um, uh, the, his the, the the protagonist's name is Hero, <laughs> oh. and in Snow Crash they even go so far as to his name is Hero protagonist. And, <laughs> no shit,
1: really? No, it's hilarious. I did it's a total not know Neil up. Stevenson.
2: We got that. Uh direct it's a total genre stand send up and it's it's awesome but i've just i don't know like there's just so many things and it's now and like i've seen this criticism online where oh like you know you're video game reviewers or you work for a media outlet i bet you you barely even played the games or whatever sure it's tough it's tough to put aside time um you have like your family and your friends and your own personal life and then you have uh your work and whatever that entails and then to find time uh for yourself or to do these other things in between it can be very if you're not someone naturally adept at time management it it can be a little suffocating in a lot of ways and it's 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 interesting to have to juggle these plates but anyway right. that's, I wish I was naturally adept we, we don't have to talk about speaking of time management I wonder I want to meet someone we're
0: fifty minutes yeah, into sorry. our video game podcast
2: yeah. Books, are, cool, Books
0: are really cool. You know what else is cool? Do
2: we want to segue the, uh, up here? Xbox yeah. has done a very cool forward. thing
0: this week. They've, um, hey. well, maybe cool. I don't know. Fuck. Desperate, des- definitely. Okay, let's get into it. So, have you guys heard? I wouldn't say desperate. That's a little disingenuous. You don't know an Xbox, man. Um, <laughs> no. uh, the... <laughs> Xbox Game Pass. Uh, Xbox Microsoft announced this week that the Xbox Game Pass will uh, now include first party, and that's a kind of a weird distinction. Microsoft titles day one on their streaming subscription service. Not streaming, just subscription service. Um, last week we talked about Nvidia's uh, streaming game streaming Netflix model. of course, now. now and now Microsoft is really doubling down on it. I've always thought Game P- Pass was cool. But there was no reason to. I didn't, unless I want to play Recore, which, you know, no offense, but I played it. Um, you know, uh,
2: I. Sad, uh, man, no. it's
0: just. I, I, anyway, we, we, no need to, to, to kick that uh, uh, particular. Uh, uh, Dead robot horse. can yeah. down the road. Sure. Into, yeah, so <laughs> into the drain. Um, but. So now for, uh, I'm going to use American money here um, as opposed to our usual Canadian, but for $10 in the US, 12 in Canada, um, a month, 12 Skittles, you can uh, get access to all these first party day one games, as well as whatever back catalog they have on Game Pass. Um, So this obviously is Microsoft moving towards the Netflix model, which, as I was saying last week, I think is good. Um, it means that hypothetically, when the new Halo comes out, if the new Halo comes out, you can play it for $10 for a month, and then delete your subscription and move on with your life.
2: Yeah, and that's where they sort of that's where I get hung up on it, because I'm gonna be honest, I bought an Xbox 360 specifically to pay to play Halo 3. I saw the trailer in the movie theater. And then I just remember sitting there being like, Okay, well, I'm buying that and then um i bought an x i i i wanted to buy an xbox one i had one given to me as a gift and but my intention was specifically just to play halo 5 like i don't really give a fuck about other stuff um and like if stuff comes out on it cool like i have other games i have played other stuff on it um i know what i'm gonna play this week abzu now that i'm in like this that's cool cool game i'm gonna do that yeah you played it on PS, but um, but, but so, yeah, this is what I get hung up on. What first party exclusives does Xbox have that I give a okay, shit about? Okay, so,
0: glad you asked. It's,
2: yeah. I have a list. This is, okay, go so, on. So, okay.
0: for 2017, now, there's a difference. So, what they've said is Microsoft's trying Try not to
2: say it all out loud really fast and make it seem
0: like a short list. <laughs> no, I'll do my best to make it sound short. Ouch. So, oh. what, so, what they said was that Microsoft Studio first party games from going on forward right Microsoft Studios is a publisher as well as a developer so I am not sure what counts so here are the here are the games they have developed I believe or have been developed by Microsoft subsidiaries 4 is a 7 Halo Wars 2 Fable Fortune the trading card game that's 2017
2: (laughs) So, it'll probably be Xbox, it'll probably be Microsoft Studios, like, when you boot up Gears of War, and then it has Epic, but then it also says Microsoft... What they, what's it
1: called? In, like, some of the articles and stuff, they specifically mention, like, Halo, Forza, Gears, Gears of War, War yeah. and stuff. Um, um,
2: so, these in-house sort of IPs what, will probably not be exempt They'd be, that'd be stupid. right?
0: Games like yeah. uh, Sea of Thieves, which is made by Rare, which is a Microsoft a- subsidiary. Sea of Here's Thieves
2: is a thing. Good. You're crazy. Can we talk about Sea of Thieves? Because we, we got a friend that's trying to fucking... I want to
1: make a point about this. Because, yes, we do have a group of friends who are mildly interested, some of them more interested than others, to trying out Sea of Thieves. Uh, I personally am not that excited. I feel like Christian uh, on this one, where... It'll be fun for like a week. You'll hop on. You'll have your pirate ship and you'll play. And then you you don't need to play
2: it anymore. 10 bucks? One month?
1: This is going to be for honor
2: all over again. But
1: this idea where it'll be on the Game Pass, on the Xbox, 10 bucks.
2: Yeah, or And then cross play it with the Windows 10. Yeah. Right. That
1: is a worthy price, I feel, for a tryout game that you think you and your friends are going to play for a month or so. Not even. Not even a month, maybe. I think that's where it's going to shine. It's going to be these experiences where you get to try these new games and sure, you'll have your power gamers who will be like, dear one, Gears of War 4 or whatever the newest one will be, I'm going to beat it and I'm going to only pay 10 bucks and I don't need it in my collection. I just want to play it
2: so is this is this a sign of the times that we're walking away from you pay 60 dollars, you buy the game and this is like you're gonna really invest yourself in this and we're getting into more of like a sampler era interesting where i'm gonna pay 10 bucks and i just get to i just get to try these little things and then you know i played it for an hour and i can have an opinion on it and this is it's just something for me to tweet and post about and snapchat about and then I get to move on to the next thing well here's is the thing I don't I don't at?
1: think so because like people are still excited and willing to put down money for the big games like Monster Hunter just came out this past week
2: yeah and this
1: and is a good his, this is like everyone's talking about it people are streaming it people have put 40 hours into the game it came out like 5 days ago or something we so.
2: have a Will Yaltrin of Too Far Gone <laughs> <laughs> I went to bed what this young man playing it i woke up this young man was playing oh, okay. it so <laughs> will somewhere between 12 and 20 hour session Jesus. when he finally got his hands people, on it so not to be balked at yeah, you know what i
1: mean people are yeah. still willing to put down money on the premium 60 dollars, whatever price experience uh, and that's the same for me i'm still willing to put down the money on some of these games uh monster hunter when it comes out on pc uh, i'm not really feeling it right now for consoles sure. but when it comes out on pc totally down to put, put the money for it uh same goes with other games that are coming out this year it's just i i still if i wanted to have that experience and i was an xbox player where i see some of these titles that i'm not sure about this would be a perfect time to hey i'll up i'll do one month on this but it's just
2: xbox admitting that they have a weak fucking library yes. Yes, so 100%, to- 100%. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So so I don't I don't like the idea that that's the selling point is we have a weak library. What is it going to take to get you in this ecosystem? Like that's not a that's not a good sell to me. That's just you sort of admitting you have a shitty fucking product. So let's, but that's the sell
1: they have to make, right?
0: Let's, that's the problem. Let's Okay, so let's let's talk about this for a second. You you both uh smart young purchasers bought uh PS4 I wouldn't
2: say it's so young, but...
0: <laughs> hey, man, I just want to... Well, yes, no, we would have yes, been when know. it
2: came out. We would have been when it came out. When did it come out? S- five years ago? Yeah. Three or four years
0: ago, yeah. So let me tell
2: you... No, it's been more than three years ago. So we're, we're, we're early 20s.
0: 2013. Um, so my, this is how I ended up with an Xbox in my house. Fallout 4 came out. I saw a GIF on Reddit and said, clearly, this is the greatest game ever made. So I went out. I could buy a PS4 or a Xbox One with my student loans, and I oh, quick shout out to OSAP. Oh my god! Don't, don't I don't even want to start with it. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I I decided uh, on an Xbox because hey, the Xbox 360 won last year, won last generation, and now I'm sitting around playing Super Hot as my favorite Xbox game right now. Great game, but. Um, In 2017, like we just said, Microsoft released Forza 7 and Halo Wars 2 and Fable Fortune. Those were their first-party games. The biggest game they had in 2017 was uh, PUBG, which they game. Was it,
2: actually? Which they just sort of collected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: I think something's happened here. I think Sony are aggressively taking the um, exclusivity deals. I think they made a choice to... uh, to not have the same problem they had last generation and to and to and to kind of
1: eat microsoft's lunch and it's worked so well this goes all the way back to their like their original like xbox one press conference back in the day it has to be always online games as a service it's gonna your xbox is gonna be a home console for your family not just to play games watch tvs enjoy entertainment all that stuff and i think and then the press conference right after that was Sony. And then you had well, the yeah, you was... had the stupid video, the thirty second video of them. Here's how you share games on PlayStation. Yeah. Where Shuhei Yoshida passes it to whatever that guy's name is, the white dude. It passes him a game, and it's like, we're gonna play games. And then that that was it. And that's they yeah.
2: I remember watching that video. I remember watching that video. I was in Greece when I saw... When E3 was happening. Yeah, So, like, there was one... we, We were in Rhodes for a few days, and I got, like, super fucking... Just burnt to a crisp, torched on the beach. And... Like, I was just so sunburned. I just stayed in the hotel the next day. Like, I just had to chill out. And so I was just, I'm like, I'll catch up on, you know, E3. And then I remember watching that clip and I'm like, oh, that's it. It's over now. It's fucking, sure enough. Well,
1: here's the here's a little bit of backstory information to that. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of some anonymous sources from, like, the games industry, from publishers, from developers, they were thinking that this year was going to be, like, the last year for consoles. Like, consoles were going to die out this year. There wasn't a lot of faith. That's why early on in both PlayStation 4 and Xbox One's life cycles, you got a lot of remasters right. and and stuff. Mm. So, And then PlayStation were obviously had games in mind to begin with, or at least that's what it seems like. And so the transition over from maybe we're just going to put some stuff on here and maybe focus on PC, which, which people were believing was the next kind of step still, it panned out better for them because they were still in gear to put down the money for games. And Microsoft was like, Oh, we're going to have an NFL deal where we could stream to NFL or like, we're going to invest yeah. in movies and like exclusive to the Microsoft store on Xbox and stuff where it's like that transition was clearly, they missed their step. And like, it was a problem from them from like years later. Now.
0: When, uh, when Bloodborne came out on the PS4, I had a feeling like, Oh, Huh! I'm missing out on a really good game by having an Xbox, and uh, and then as time went forward, that just became the story for every game. It just of
2: compounding. A I
0: mean, yeah. Neo, Near, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, like Persona. Pers- they keep coming. Uh, Yakuza Zero or Yakuza
2: Five. Whatever, hey. they, they, they 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 come. It's Monster Hunter on the Xbox. It is, but yes, the beta was not
1: um correct and that's where you'll get like the call of duty PlayStation will pay for call of Duty's limited time exclusives and stuff
2: and that used to be de- that used to be uh the reverse yep. back exactly in the day. modern warfare 2 xbox used to get the maps first what well,
1: playstation
0: uh, sony learned they learned that the that you know the the, the who has the exclusives if you, wins.
2: Just, if you look out for the little people and you give them exactly what they fucking want they're going to give you all their so, money <laughs> like it's not a hard let's equation.
0: bring this back to game pass so microsoft's really Microsoft's only exclusives are their own subsidiaries. So let let's look at how many subsidiary games they how many exclusives they put out a year. Stuff like Forza, stuff like Halo Wars, stuff like the Fable Fortune's tr- trading card game. Um at tw- at $10 a month times 12 months a year, you're paying 60 uh you're paying $120 a year. Uh, you paying one hundred twenty dollars into Microsoft ecosystem to pay to buy their first party titles if you got Game Pass.
2: That's before Xbox Live. Well,
0: yeah, that's you don't need you don't need, need, you don't need both.
2: Only oh, okay, let's they're just, separate. Oh, you you can you can get away with yeah. So why why would I pay for ooh, ooh, Xbox Live is
0: multiplayer? Interesting. But, so if you're paying one hundred and twenty dollars a year, that's the equivalent of buying two for two new retail games. We're talking about day one here, right? Microsoft. I don't think they can count on the like any of their uh, Xbox owners to buy two Microsoft first party games a year. They just aren't there. There only are two first party Microsoft games a year, and they're Forza and Halo Wars. Two ex-
1: two extremely limited demographic Not games. Not a lot of
2: overlap this year. Well, people yeah.
1: like. I, I think you're selling Forza a bit short on that one. People love people, their racing.
2: Did too. you buy? Did you buy Forza? Me. I, I'm, that's though. not me. That's not that's me. Did yeah, either of you thing. buy Forza? No, but I think that's. I know. Were, I there guys that didn't buy Forza. Like, oh, no. okay. it
0: has an audience, but it's not the Xbox audience. It's the racing game audience. Um, mm.
2: I got I got Forza three on a Boxing Day for fifteen dollars way back in the day, and then I was given by Microsoft, interestingly mm. enough, uh, Horizons for taking part in some. I think I did well in like some Halo four online oh, yeah. tournament. So, I. Had, they're good games, but.
0: So, yeah. here's the 2018 roster that they keep saying is what you're going to be able to get day one: Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, Crackdown 3.
2: I will. I will. Crackdown 3. Who gives crack a down, about crackdown? Crackdown, whose only purpose was to sell you the Halo 3 beta back I in 2007. Say, I
1: think you're selling. See if these will be popular. I like seeing this. I'll tell you. Game. I'll tell you
2: exactly why it's going to be popular. It's because we've been talking about it for a fucking year, and then now all the fucking the cool kids are playing it on Twitch, which gets fucking people thinking about it and talking about it. And then you're like, man, I get to be in a pirate ship. And then you're gonna fucking you're gonna let lo- sure, I bet it's great. But what's it well, called? That it's, I was going to say Honor again, man. No, Who I 100
1: agree. But it's also say State of Decay. Uh, Not a triple A pretty- AAA title. Not a triple A title but pretty successful yeah, and I, I think, think actually did the
2: game yeah so what, like, so what do we have we got three first. we got we got pirate gimmick we got okay, probably going to be a decent game and then some other bullshit no one Crackdown
0: 3 part. which Crackdown 2 completely kind of ended that franchise it was cu- I don't really think in a post Saints row 4 world it matters um here's here's the statement and this is what kind of uh stuck in my craw a bit to use a ridiculous phrase um uh, you know, talking about what uh, you'll be able to get first uh, first day, uh, this is uh, the Xbox head, uh, Phil Spencer, is that right? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Future unannounced games from Microsoft Studios, including new iterations of our biggest Xbox One exclusive franchises, such as Halo, nothing announced. Forza, nothing announced. Gears of War, nothing announced. On the same day
2: as launch. He's
0: Thing. We, have t- we have franchises you've heard of.
2: It's it's an do- interesting when you think about because these are Halo and Gears of War, not to be balked at. I, balk I grew up playing those games. I love those games. The original Gears was something yeah, it was, else. Um, it was good, but good um, These are games that these these are carcasses. These are skeletons yes. that have been gutted. The meat has been Everyone stripped off. Halo these.
0: Five knows that Halo
2: is not. Halo is built by three four three. Gears of could War Bruce, is built. Bungie. It's yeah. not Blazinski, It's no, the Coalition.
1: See, that's where you're wrong. I think if Bungie took Halo back, it would. This is maybe rose tinted glasses, but I think if Bungie took Halo back, it would be fine. Except uh, not that they you never, really the never lies to you about. <laughs> <laughs> about we don't need to. We don't yeah, need to right, fucking
2: pick right. this fight. We we already. I don't even want to talk no, about me neither, that. But halo gear these are not this is this is when your favorite band sort of breaks up and then the label puts it back together and they've transplanted like a new drummer and bassist and it's you know you know you're gonna buy it you know it'll be fine but it's not it's not the the band that you stood outside in the cold to get a ticket for it will call it's not the band that you bought the shirt for
0: um. Yeah. Anyway, so
2: I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm hot. I'm angry about it. But I. I see. I can see. I would see a value. I'm. If you play a PC, let's say you're playing Gears of War on the computer, do I pay for Xbox no, Live? I don't think so. No. Interesting. Interesting. So, interesting.
0: Let, let Let's. I want to. Uh, so uh, to close off this topic because it's getting kind of angry, and I don't. I don't want to be an angry show. Um. I feel let down by Microsoft. I feel there is a desperation in what they're doing because of their lack of titles and they're clearly losing this console generation everybody knows that however i think the idea of day one downloadable uh, subscription-based service is great um dangerous as we move into a subscription-based model for individual games uh with the games as service stuff and we'll get to that but i think this is a step towards the future um you know they say that necessity is the mother of invention and uh there's certainly a necessity on xbox live
1: just to like cap this off really quickly i just want to say if they don't introduce something new at e3 this year for this service uh this is uh, then it's dead yeah i I don't think it'll have any pull because like this is where they're like unannounced things so that means they have to have an announcement they have to announce halo or Gears of war or both
2: yeah well and we're gonna get halo 6 and people liked halo 5 man they said that the multiplayer was pretty all right Um, yeah it was okay (laughs) <laughs> it's fine. I don't know. I played. I played a fair bit of it too, and it's fine. That's but I mean, player, I though, I'm optimistic. Uh, Pretty. Yeah, I don't know. We can have a but. Sure. God. That's what we were saying about Battlefront. I'm optimistic. Sure. I'm yeah, optimistic that Xbox will do some shit. The future will always you be better. Than oh, the past.
1: Right? Uh, it's always going to get better. Um, questionable if you're living in the Terminator world, but okay. well, which <laughs> we are.
0: Um, so let's let let's talk about something big and cool and good that happened uh, yesterday. The reason we're recording a day late. Um, I'm not even going to
1: queue it up, Christian. What
2: happened
1: oh, yes. yesterday? From the yes. lowest low to the highest highs, my friend. There it yes. is. Go on, Christian.
2: Oh, I'm I'm staring at it in my closet right now. My Cloud Nine jersey. <laughs> Seen it many times. Man. It's what? It was a glorious day for North America. Truly the greatest continent Would you on say Earth.
0: that America is now great again?
2: Mm, I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> <laughs> I will say... So basically, three-week-long major, which sort of pissed me off for Counter-Strike, culminating in some of the, the most exciting uh, competition I've seen in years from the sport, from the game... Cloud9, North America's best hope to win a major. Ever. Uh, at factually, until now, struggling to make it out of pools, maybe coming fourth, never coming anywhere close, Get escaping qualifiers Barely. with an 0-2 record, um, and then clawing their way into the actual competition, clawing their way through uh, seasoned teams like SK, G2, uh, finally fighting against the Yankee-esque FaZe Clan, uh, having poached some top talent. Olaf Meister, Nico, rain big names in Kerrigan. the scene. Kerrigan. Garrigan from Astralis. Um, someone I am forget, Guardian. 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 My god, Guardian. And then, to, to go to a best of three, uh, to go to the final map... Double overtime uh, to have it clutched out by uh, a young man that escaped getting banned for life in, I believe, 2011 during the I Buy Power match fixing scandal, who has stuck through the Cloud9 roster, made it past the boy band era of Sean Garris and Freakazoid, past the, uh, the weird sort of in-between stages with Slemmy. And um I mean, uh others, I think. Um uh to to, to emerge on uh, truly the greatest iteration of Cloud Nine uh and to and to win it for for North America. It, exciting stuff. What a Storybook game. Storybook ending, what a fucking series, man. Skadoodle
1: also one of the longest running Players in the game that has never qualified for a court, like the the legend status of the majors. I think he was like seven seven majors in a row. He was at the majors and had never qualified to the semifinal era.
2: Like the, the post game interview, and he's sort of, and they're like, "How do you feel?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm not crying. You're <laughs> crying. Shut up." It's like, <laughs> just him. the most so, awkward, cringy. It <laughs> like, was great though, awesome. man. What
1: <laughs> exciting matches! I've been watching esports for years. Years and years now, ever since like the StarCraft 2 beta, obviously, esports has been around longer than that. But as a person now that's experienced it back in the day to where it is now on Twitch, this was by far one of the most exciting matches I've ever watched.
2: Over a million viewers viewers
1: on on one stream, which is the record that they now hold the record for a one stream event. So, like, usually, like, uh, esports events will have uh english stream russian stream uh things and that'll usually be used to conflate the numbers a little bit it's like oh we had a few hundred thousand on this stream we had a few hundred thousand on that stream and in total the event got a big number e-league the finals game three cloud nine versus phase clan on inferno 1.08 million some were saying 1.1 million so a huge number of people watching Damn. like it's crazy and what a game
2: but and cautious. this, we but- should we should temper this. We are we're Canadian. We watched this as North American fans. Um, but just to add some context, really quickly, Counter Strike historically uh, has been dominated by um, the Europeans. In yeah. in the years that I think Brandon and I have been attentive viewers, uh, you'll see VP in the polls. Uh, come through you'll see Astralis in the Danish squad you'll see uh, Fnatic in the Swedes with yeah, NiP Fnatic, the um, Swedes Ninjas in pajamas the Swedes yeah confident uh, they had their era where they just could not be stopped Europeans have dominated this game for so long and this is what makes it sort of like this this magical storybook moment because Faze Clan, Yankee esque, just poaching top talent from all over Europe and assemble this, this this assemblage of, st- superstar some, of the, talent.
1: some of the best players to ever play the game with like Olaf yes. Meister and Guardian. It's just like you; these are names synonymous with greatness like Nico
2: very people had their eyes on this person coming up through mouse sports saying this is going to be him and simple. were sort of regarded as, you know, the, this is the young talent. This is going to be the future of the game or whatever. So this is sort of the elite death squad that Europe sent. And, uh, they, they came up through qualifiers too. And we had to, uh, yeah, uh, it's so, it just, oh my goodness. Yeah, just so many, so many momentum swings, so many just intense moments. Just to, uh,
1: also to throw a little bit more perspective, uh, people who aren't familiar, we said we're, and we're from North America, it's meant a lot to us, but up until now, North American esports, quote unquote, other than maybe the fighting game community has always been as the joke. You always say, Oh, NA esports e- eSports, NA flashes, like when you threw a flashbang that failed. Uh, you
2: Yeah, this is e- this this was a joke the where if you fucked up a flashbang, they'd yeah. call it if you fucked up a flashbang, or if anybody did, you would see it in the chat. Just everybody would say L O L NA oh, flash. Man. Meaning this it's a North American flash because you fucked it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> like this this could only be one of the greatest moments in North American esports. Like we, there's one other time where you could say something comparable happened, and that was when Evil Geniuses won uh, the international a few years ago. Where it's like they did it finally. It's not just being the Europeans and the Chinese who are winning these massive Dota events. It's finally North America proved to the world that we were we were competitive. And with this, it's like another one of those moments. This time, an even bigger level where. We had no, like, no one had any hope. Cloud9 was like, this is the best they've ever been? Sure. But everyone's like, "Phase Clan is going to fuck these kids up. And it's going to be sad. And it's going to be quiet in that stadium. And at home, with the American crowd behind them, Cloud9 did it.
2: And there were some moments where it got fucking
1: quiet.
2: Uh- When it looked like there were there, it was, it was in the second half of the third map, there were moments where uh, you would see Stewie or Tarek or somebody and they'd get a couple early frags and they'd they'd have this five, three advantage. And then they would just keep, they would just keep their foot on the gas just like a little too long. And uh, all of a sudden they just lose these rounds. And then, you you know. If you go up early five three, that's like a uh, yeah you should you know best team in the world you, you got to be right. winning those yeah. and it would just it did not it looked grim and then you had
1: moments of brilliance from Guardian on FaZe Clan where he would just kill three people in a round with the op and just like in nutty situations where it's like only the best in the world could do it and then you had there was one play in particular where I almost the
2: smoke the, the smoke. smoke
1: there's okay oh my God. so to describe a little bit about the map Inferno. Uh, there's the terrorist spawn on one side of the map, and there's the counter-terrorist side on the other side of the map. It's how the map is played out. So there's two bomb sites, right. A and B. To get to B, you have to go through a long channel. It's called Banana uh, in, by everybody in the game. It's like a, it's a student. It's just this it.
2: corridor. It, like it, it's just, it just, it's like shooting fish in a barrel if you get caught right. in this thing.
1: So what happens is, uh, Nico from FaZe Clan is holding the top of Banana, looking down with his M4 trained down there to stop any terrorists, the Cloud9 boys, coming up. And so things get a little hot. He's Normally what happens is you throw a smoke at the top of Banana to block it off to delay st- some time to make a smoke screen so that uh, it wastes more time on the clock. You only have so many uh, seconds and minutes in the round. And what he does instead of falling back to the bomb site to play it like any other player would, he hi- there's a little wall at the top of Banana, to make the choke point just that little bit thinner. And he hides inside the smoke right beside the wall. And Cloud9, four of them pass, nobody checks it. This is usually, at any level, is a place you would check. Uh, just to, like, someone's being cheeky. Of course, you're a pro, you're going to check every angle. But the si- the pressure from the situation had Cloud9 sprint past it, four players, and the fifth player, Automatic, is coming up banana from the bottom. Nico pops out of the smoke as everyone from Cloud9's on already on the B-bomb site and he shoots him down, the bomb drops. FaZe has control of the bomb.
2: It was so, it was like this weird moment where uh, you see him get shot and then you see the bomb go up and just, you're sitting at home and you're just, your heart just drops. It's like, no, this is the last person walking was holding the bomb. Are you so shitting first, me. This is in
1: the first overtime, too. This is like... You, whoever. If Cloud9 wins- won
2: that round, that was it. And then they they take it back from that. They, they Cloud9 lose the next three rounds. They force the double overtime. And it's just so... And so you see shit like that that you shouldn't be getting away with. You see Tarek reeking, re, like peaking and re, double peaking and re <laughs> Just these weird... These shots that, yeah, maybe you'll go for it online, but not, not when half a million dollars is on right. the line. And he's hitting them. He's hitting them. And anyway, uh, just to... We could talk about this all day, Brandon and I, but like the point is, Cloud Nine North America Counterstrike. We live in a post-Cloud Nine world. We're living in Cloud 9s North America, <laughs> where anything is possible. Uh, God, <laughs> I'm gonna name my firstborn child Skadoodle. And, uh, Tyler, Tyler Metaxis, and it's uh, it's uh, that's all there is to it. It's just just an awesome moment if you're a fan. It just oh god! Just, I'm gonna shut up. I'll keep talking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, go on, Alan. Dude, segue us away because otherwise we could spend like a whole podcast talking. You want
0: to segue? Okay. Um, we talked about some crafty Europeans. We talked about some less than reputable North Americans. Here so now we have to sell you the reputation of one more continent. Let's talk about the the darkest, the Ooh. the the most yeah let's talk about anime
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay um so first thing one of the things i forgot to mention in uh in like what i did this week but is related to too far gone and anime content was that one of the pieces i wrote earlier this month is that the jessica Negri uh documentary came out on rooster teeth oh wow yeah so uh rooster teeth uh has produced a few documentaries now. One of them was, like, what would be a life without technology for a week, uh, among among some of their stuff. And so they did Civil a documentary featuring <laughs> Civil Walk into Mortar, which was excellent. Um, so they did one on Jessica Negri, and it was all about uh, the month before BlizzCon. And obviously, if you know who Jessica Negri is, and for those of you who don't, she's a prolific figure in the cosplay scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, world-renowned. You've probably seen some of her work, even if you like didn't know her name. Uh, and so it's all about her prep work and her like philosophy behind cosplay, leading up to BlizzCon and how uh, this year uh, she premiered her Straza cosplay. Uh, and it goes through the trials and tribulations of her life, talking about how she was she lived originally in New Zealand and how things were good, and then she moved to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And how it changed her life, how America was different than home and how- Is she not uh, American? It, no, she's originally born in, in New Holy Zealand. Holy shit. But she doesn't even have an accent. No. Well, that was the thing. They talked about it where she was teased as a kid it, uh, because she had an accent. So she had to get rid of her accent huh. and stuff. And it's things like that where she like talks about uh, growing up and how she was like interested in- doing crafts and like living in the outside world and her whole philosophy about when you choose your costume for who you want to cosplay, you want to embody those characteristics of that character and stuff. So it was really interesting. It was really well done. It's about 48 minutes, uh, what I will say, though, unfortunately/slash fortunately, I guess, if you're paying for this content, uh, it's part of the Rooster Teeth First right. Program, so you have to pay a subscription fee, which is something that they've pushed for years now, just because that's how they fund uh, premier shows like Red vs. Blue. One, and, uh, they've had the sponsor program. Yeah, yeah. And so this, if you become a member of this, you can watch this documentary. I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of Jessica Negri, she's fantastic. Every once in a while. Uh, they'll even do like free days where they'll be like, "Oh, see what it's like to be a member of the RT First community." And so, if you ever, if that ever comes up in the coming months and weeks, I would highly recommend watching the Jessica Negri documentary if you're a fan of her work or really like cosplay.
0: Jessica Negri has had like a weirdly close relationship with Rooster Teeth. I feel like for her whole career, I mean, the first time I heard about Jessica Negri must have been. Um, seven years ago on a Rooster Teeth podcast where they talked about going to PAX. This is before Jessica Negros anybody and meeting a cosplayer who knew all their stuff and they like couldn't believe that she would be into Rooster Teeth and they were like grilling her on it until she like was reciting entire episodes of the show back
1: to them. Oh, like they didn't yeah. believe it? They were yeah. Wrong. Well, it's just like <laughs> they, they couldn't believe this beautiful woman was right. like this super nerd who could recite season one of the show then, them, uh, like off by heart and then like it's it was almost too good back in that like a few years ago when the culture was a little bit less exactly, exactly. well yeah back in the fake
0: gamer girls days but moving on from that um the next time the next blip i heard from her i think was also on their podcast when there was that really uh, unfortunate uh Pax, um kind of kerfuffle with jessica Negri getting kicked out for one of her costumes i don't know if either of you guys remember that um, this is in the middle of the the Dick wolves era of PAX when everything was kind of, uh, the Derek. Yeah. Is. People were not going back. I mean, so it's, it's, it's cool to see. I think she's also a member of the rooster teeth
1: staff now. Um, uh, she, what's it called? She's not necessarily staff, but she voices, uh, Cinder, who is one of the right. main villains in Ruby. Right. I mean, it's, cri-
2: which we could talk about that anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, should we get a DLC where, like, oh, something yeah. I think I was reading, like, half the characters are like, you gotta no, up
1: some been, cash or oh, something? Oh, you just already. This this fucking...
2: yeah, yeah, that's something yeah. for another podcast. But yeah, um, no, great. Yeah. yeah, I remember her. I remember her. I think they uh, she did up Lollipop, that was the official promotion push. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah she, that's she talks a...
1: about that in the documentary. How that's like the point where she decided this is that like, set her off, that
2: set it off, or yeah,
1: like, this is my job now. I can't, that's my first reaction.
2: That's my first iteration that I remember of her. Like I was like, oh wow, who's that? And I was like, oh okay. Well, Nate. she kind and of blew up. Of
0: like, I think it was also the same year that Keith Apicary like interrupted a uh, Roots Teeth podcast and like got kicked out for dancing in his underwear because that's what he does. What? Oh yeah, no,
1: I don't even. I used to. I watched their podcasts
0: forever, and I don't they didn't talk that. about Keith Apicary on their show because it was like it kind of happened to them, and they didn't really want to. Bernie has always been careful about sending his audience against people because of uh, you know you just don't want to be that guy right as he says if you put people in a direction they'll keep going and, uh, until they hit some impossible wall
2: mm-hmm. yeah. um, and this happens a lot in especially in this sort of like anime video games people get people, get, people go full oh, tail yeah. pretty fucking fast and hard and they just yeah yeah
0: no it's, it's really cool to see how and I, I'm not a huge uh, cosplay person. I don't. Uh, I don't do it myself, and I don't follow it too much. So I, I don't want to be talking out of school here. But it really seems like Jessica Negri is the front and foremost cosplayer. Like this is a industry that she's kind of created as a profession.
1: For sure, she's definitely led the way on a lot of things, and she does a lot of promotion as well. Like she, uh, if you follow her on Instagram, uh, every once in a while she'll put up uh, on her story. She'll like oh, this cosplayer is cool. This cosplayer is great. And they're like people I had never heard of and they do excellent work. So she does, she not only is she like the forefront like person you think of when you think of cosplay, you also is like, here are all these, she brings people up with her, which is a great positive force in the community, right? Obviously. God, the internet is cool. It's so much like, what a, what a what a force for
0: change in society. Uh, whole new industries, whole new ideas of celebrity, whole new Avenues of creativity have, have have been created in the past ten years, and we are we're so lucky to be the generation that gets to watch it happen, that gets to be in on the ground floor. I mean, the industrial revolution was cool. I love my Model T, but like,
2: <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. And this is, and it's something like anybody that's seen sort of. Um, midnight in Paris and oh, you have these sorts movie. of ideas where it's like, wouldn't it be cool to have grown up in the the eighties or something like that? Or wouldn't it have been cool to, you know, grow up in the twenties and thirties and be in Paris with Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Gertrude Stein and these types of people? I man, I have no I love growing up in the new oh, millennium. Yeah. The new millennium holy shit,
0: you, haven't heard that in a while.
2: Everything <laughs> you could ever fucking want or dream of is like two mouse clicks well, yeah. away. Like, it's so f- fucking insane when you think about it. just anything, anything I want to know about anything at all, ever, in the history of humanity, I could just, I could just type it in. I could just type it in right now. I mean, when um, you were talking about... um, it Just, just, just anything, anything. When you are talking
0: about Counter-Strike, like, the idea that, like, this is a sport. This is, like... These were these were movies. This is almost like Logan's Run, but it's real and not hor- horrific and dystopian. I, I mean, HQ trivia. I, I was I was working the bar last night, and and you know these two guys at the table were just sitting there playing HQ on their phone, and it was like, oh yeah,
2: I'm gonna type it in right now. How did How did Kurt Vonnegut die? Traumatic brain injury. There's a Google card for it. I I, I didn't even like. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so people also searched for. Hemingway, Suicide, Salinger, Natural Causes, Heller, Heart Attack. (laughs) Yeah, Salinger made it out. He did it. He made good. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of how far we've come as the the human race, what else in anime?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Segway to how far we've come in human existence where we can have a virtual YouTuber, if you've ever heard of Kizuna Ai.
2: What
1: does that mean? You've never... Okay. So, Kizuna Ai
2: is... Is she the, is yeah. the, the the little pink yeah her what's
1: yes. up okay so Kizuna AI is a YouTuber from Japan but she isn't like your typical YouTuber who uh, where you would like oh you're gonna do a vlog so you put the cam the webcam up and you got the mic and stuff she uses uh,
2: like augmented reality to yeah. like yeah. an anime girl on top of her yeah oh, so she's like
1: and so she's created this personality where she's this she plays this AI character and it's like this cute like little anime girl with this pink bunny rabbit kind of uh headband and she so for not only did that gain a lot of traction uh just in being in the virtual space on youtube right she's also become now popular enough to get her own photo book which if you're like talking about like idol culture and stuff in japan is a pretty big deal it's like you have a book now uh, where you can flip through and there'll be funny poses and stuff like that all these pictures so she's now transcended out of the virtual space into the real world where you can buy her photo book which is kind of crazy to think about it's starting out as this like kind of weird moment online where uh, a person masked themselves as an anime character and started playing video games and doing other like kind of fun stuff online
0: fucking rooster teeth called it on their podcast <laughs> like um 4 or 5 years ago maybe longer in the early days they were talking about how uh you know they're talking about how like uh ultra hd and all that is making um 4k is making news kind of weird because uh you can see kind of the reality of the anchors and you can see how they're wearing makeup and everything and they're talking about how as time goes mm-hmm. forward you're not going to get your news from a person you're going to get it from like an animated character on a completely virtual studio and then oh, going even farther, okay. further you can then like they saying you would be able to like choose who's reading the news, like you have your real newsreader with the dots and then you just put the overlay and the voice filter you want on them. I want Gareth from Mass Effect. You
2: could have it like spot the dog. Just yeah, whatever it to you it. want, man. Make, like a little, It seem all a little bit easier on him. Oh, damn.
0: And, <laughs> yeah. and, well, man, I, I just wish I could get like a window into 20 years from now to see like what the hell the world looks like.
1: Well, even more interesting is that I was obviously the first virtual YouTuber, but now there's been, a, there's like a few now, there's like three or four, maybe five of them all together. And they've also started to branch off. So not only are you getting like, this is starting a trend. There's more of them out there and they've been growing a fan base, which is kind of interesting. Shit. Um, anyways, so back to more of the real world, I guess, as far as no. you can get with anime. So last week, uh, uh Sunday, so when we were when we recorded last week, right? Um, unfortunately, this has happened. I heard about this slightly after the fact. So, Pop Team Epic, we've been talking, talking yeah, about yeah. it uh, last few weeks. They held an event in Akihabara where they were giving out like paper masks of the angry Papuko <laughs> face, and Papuko being one of the oh, one of the, the titular characters of this series. Uh, there were so many people that attended it, the event that they had to shut it what? down. <laughs> yeah. So it was, like, on the streets of Akihabara. On Sundays uh, in Akihabara, they closed down the road so you could, like, walk freely and stuff. Usually there's cosplayers or there are people with their anime decaled cars about so you could, like, sit out and see them. But, yeah, so they held this event and, like, 3,000 people oh showed my up. God. And they were trying to, like, get these masks. And there obviously wasn't enough and it created this huge crowd so they had to, like, stop the event from taking place. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, wow, just... What a weird! Of course, only and that's
2: like a busy place without there being like a crazy event. People in yeah, masks, exactly.
1: yeah, not even people in masks. People clamoring for masks. <laughs> they wanted this sick, angry papuko mask. God. And then to continue, continuing on with the Pop Team Epic news, uh, something that was announced the other day was that Pop Team Epic is going to be releasing a three CD set uh, for the anime but like a CD, like a CD set, like music, like what people are assuming is to be music because nobody knows what's going to be on it. And that's part, part of the pop team epic aesthetic where it's like, something's coming out in a three CD set. Do we know what, is it going to be all the songs from the anime because they've been parodying a bunch of stuff slash uh, on episode two. We talked about this the other week where they had this like crazy felt stop motion section where it became a music video. So like, who really knows what's coming out on these three D uh, or these three CD set that is coming out for them? <laughs> that's so fucking weird. Three CD set. I feel like it should be like
0: the greatest hits of Elvis, and it's nineteen ninety eight.
1: Uh, see, that's the thing. <laughs> that could very well be it. Yeah, the Greatest I, hits of Elvis. Yeah, I mean, why and not? not <laughs> like, why not? Why not with Pop Team Epic? Why wouldn't they just troll the shit out of you for buying the CD set? God, like, bless them. The last two years for Comic Cat, they've set up booths uh there to give out merchandise quote unquote and it's been like pieces of rubble <laughs> <they've> just, like,
2: <laughs> where it's like they're
1: perioding the culture of like people going to Con to get these crazy yeah. exclusive merchandise and of course pop team epic would show up with some rocks and try to sell them to you right? because you're, you want the exclusive merch from Comic Con, like it's
2: debris yeah <laughs>
1: debris that's almost well, like this is- cards against humanity well, digging the holiday hole
2: yeah. What, what do you mean
0: for for no? for christmas 2016 they they had a, a big charity drive where for every dollar cards against, cards against humanity, oh, sorry. Yeah, where for every uh you know whatever every doll you donated would go to continuing the rental they have of this giant digging machine and they just dug a hole in the desert and it was the cards against humanity holiday hole
2: <laughs> awesome yeah
1: it's it's totally along those veins but yeah awesome <laughs> awesome Playing into the anime otaku culture, I love it. Uh, another cool thing that's coming out. Speaking of otaku culture and like collector's edition stuff, Devilman Crybaby has announced the a special
2: edition Blu-ray. Sick. Holy, shit. what us. A... And it's supposed to be expensive as fucking shit, though. Yeah,
1: so it's supposed to be about two hundred ninety-five US dollars. Whoa! Uh, but it comes Tell with a full... PS3. Yeah, pretty much. Why? That's well, I need it that's, that's that's my only Blu-ray player, so. like... <laughs> I can't sell it.
2: Do you <laughs> so- sell the,
1: the
2: the horse to get the? How does that? What's the put the cart before the horse? <laughs> no, no, no. What do you do? You sell? Do you sell your hair and then they get, you That's get a right, comb? Christian, for- <laughs> I got you a comb. For,
1: uh- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways,
2: oh, you so got me a mirror. Blu-
1: the ivory. <laughs> <laughs> So This Blu-ray set is a box set. It has all ten episodes, including English subtitles, which is for people unaware. Usually, uh, Blu-ray sets. Uh, that you can get from japan for your favorite animes they won't come with it because it's supposed to be meant to be sold in japan this specifically mentions that there will be english subtitles which is great hopefully they're better than the netflix one i'm still angry about it (laughs) Uh, and so this comes with the 10 episodes obviously that make up the show it comes with two bonus cds which is which is the soundtrack to it which excellent soundtrack if you haven't given haven't listened to it if you haven't watched the show even maybe even just give it a listen the great music it comes with and if, it, uh,
2: and if you like devil man sorry to interrupt if you like devil man you can go you can watch ping pong you can watch uh tatami galaxy you can watch these other sick fucking shows that have awesome director. soundtracks that are just as fucking good by uh, uh what's his name
1: uh i ooh, put me on the spot i don't have it up and my keyboard makes a lot of noise so you can <laughs> look that up i'll continue on uh <laughs> look it up you
2: nerds <laughs>
1: <laughs> Homework. anyways same director uh for all the shows that christian mentioned excellent anime uh It also comes with an 100-page animation materials book, which I'm going to assume is like how they storyboard and stuff out. 100 pages? Yes. And then it comes with a second 100-page art book. Whoa. And then on top of all this, even better, if you enjoyed the soundtrack even more and you wanted some sick merch to prove how fucking hardcore you are about Devilman Crybaby, it comes with a 12-inch vinyl of the soundtrack. Of course. And it's just like, man, what a... What a piece to the collection of your anime weeb goods. Give me that price again. Uh, it is 30, 32,400 yen or approximately 295 US dollars.
0: What a value!
1: <laughs> uh, and yeah, just going on with more anime news, mm-hmm. uh, They announced, there was another trailer that came out for uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin episode six uh the rise of the red comet
2: the Uh, saga continues the saga
1: continues so gundam the origin is takes place before the original 1979 cult classic uh gundam of which you're all familiar which we're all familiar of course especially i have intimately familiar it's the one with (laughs) robots in the sky yeah, exactly. Perfect. No, uh, so this once, so Gundam the Origin follows the story of Char Aznable, who is the protagonist in the original Gundam series, and unicycle him, model his life. Yes, and unicycle model correct. From uh, anyway, <laughs> so bro. it follows his ex- callback, bro. <laughs> it follows the rise of Char as a small child, being that uh a child of a famous person in the Zion, uh, the Xeon Confederacy, or sorry, the Xeon Principality. I should get that correct. As you I really I'm should. A um, it, it just raises his life <laughs> as a small child, all the politics surrounding the one-year war as it leads up to an escalation, uh, him as a cadet at the military academy. And so now uh, episode five was the beginning of the Battle of Loom, which is the first conflict in between the Zeon Principality and the Earth Federation forces, which really kicks off the one-year war, which is what 1979 Gundam is about. And so part six, rise of the Red Comet is the Battle of Loom. Uh, episode five leaves off as the battle begins. Episode six is Char becoming the Red Comet, the most feared pilot in the Gundam universe. And how he, how the Zeon Principality from being a small, a small space colony with a few ships becomes a powerhouse that can rule most if not the entire world with the use of mobile suits uh, so I'm, I'm super excited about it as a fan of Gundam the production quality on these OVAs are excellent I would highly recommend it if you have any kind of interest in Gundam uh, it's totally worth the watch you might need if you're new to the series you might need to do a little bit of reading on like the wiki just to see who some of these characters are and why they're important but really great and the last little bit is that Look up, nerds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last little bit is that uh, a new trailer has come out for be the beginning and be the beginning is one, it's again one of the netflix funded shows that they're in their push to dominate the anime streaming space right. out here in the west uh this is done by production ig uh, a pretty storied animation studio and it's about a killer in a futuristic a serial killer in the futuristic society, uh, which looks pretty crazy. I, I wasn't sure what to expect because there's not a whole lot of information out there Mm. on it, other than like a little blurb about what the show's kind of going to be about. You got from Netflix, they're like, Oh, this is the, this is like the, here's 500 words. (laughs) And so this new trailer uh, shows off the, uh, the new theme, the theme song for the show, along with uh, giving you a little bit more details about what's going on. Uh, it looks pretty crazy. Intense action it looks to be some crazy shit just going on. And so if you like some, uh, what can only be described as, I don't even know, <laughs> man, like it's some anime and it's, it's something we wrote about earlier on last year when they announced like St. Seiya was getting a Netflix show, devil man was getting a show. So it's being put out as one of these big shows put out by Netflix that should have some right. weight. So, Hopefully we see more information about that in the near future and get a few more details. Fuck you, Crunchyroll. <laughs> no, they're nice. I'm you a know? fan. That's where I learned about Pop Team <laughs> Epic and uh, Genji Ito. There you go. And that is all we have for anime news this week.
0: So now if you want anime, you go to Netflix. And uh, yeah. if you want the hottest video game and anime news, you go to TooFarGone.moe. And if you were to do that this week, Christian, what would you see?
2: Um, oh, good answer.
0: <laughs> no,
2: no, Lots we stuff. Some Yeah, no, it was it was a big week for esports. We got battle reports obviously for uh, the the Counter-Strike Major and um Genesis 5. Uh we saw a new face atop the podium for melee. Uh plup. Uh, a welcome a welcome change in visage from your usual uh fruit and boxes and Oh, ouch. Kind deep to my dead um, releasing orchestral but, remixes yeah. of some, some so, of so very cool it. stuff. Um, the claw game that's sweeping the world, Toriba, lets you play crane games in Japan from your smartphone and your this terminal at home. This technology
0: originally used for surgeons doing open heart surgery.
2: It what, just and as jittery.
1: Just yeah. as jittery. <laughs> and what better use of great technology than to get weeb trapped
2: in Japan. <laughs> If you're good at the claw game, you could clean up. You you think if you're thinking you're the best, you know, have at it, Uh, James. uh, Entropy zero that is up as well. People can read it, check it out. Um, And this coming week, we're gonna be we are beginning production of our video content. Yeah, we are exciting, exciting life. You're gonna be seeing a homepage redesign in the near future. Oh man, video content getting pushed out. I'll put it this way, ladies and gentlemen. Friends and family. Roman this way. Countrymen. I- <laughs> <laughs> if you think the home page looks sexy now Yeah, <laughs> <man>, you just <laughs> <I have> to- <laughs> I have to go And, we just- <laughs> and <laughs> we've gone full circle. We start the way we finish with it's Alan just-, just sticking it to me. There are a lot of you stuff, know, you know, always yeah. happening here on the website, never a dull moment on the internet. And so you can read about
0: the, as you're saying, you can read about the uh, Counter-Strike uh, major. So maybe uh, maybe if you like Counter-Strike, uh, keep an eye on uh, Too Far Gone. And uh, that's toofargone.moe. That's T-O-O-F-A-R-G-O-N-E dot M-O-E. We're on Twitter at 2F4RG0N3. You can give us an email at uh, gonerspodcast at gmail dot com. Tell us what you think of the show, any you know, any questions you might have, any talking points. We're uh, we, we we're we're desperate for content, man. This shit's hard. Uh, we're on Apple. We're on Google Play. We're on TuneIn. We're on Stitcher. Subscribe and rate us. But if you do nothing else, tell somebody about the show. Get us out there. Get us get us ear holes to to get into because uh, our message must be it's cold spread in the dark. And all (laughs) that leaves is for me to say, Kotaku, I'm available.